0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Your Village Podcast, Parenting Beyond Discipline, the place to learn about all things parenting and get your questions answered. I'm your host, Erin Royer. Today, I'm answering two questions, both about bedtime and sleep. This seems to be a really popular area of struggle in most homes. So we have one about a toddler who has started screaming at bedtime unexpectedly or out of the blue, and another about an eight-year-old who is struggling to wake up in the morning. The first question is from Sylvia, who writes, Hi, Erin. I love your podcast and look forward to listening to it all the way from New Zealand. I have a two-year-old boy who recently started crying and screaming at bedtime and was wondering what we should do differently, if anything. We read him stories on the couch while he has some milk, then brush his teeth, and I read him another couple books in his room. And he always seems so relaxed, but when I put him to sleep, he stands up straight away and starts screaming and crying. He sometimes will cry up to 30 minutes, which I find to be quite long. I do go in before the 30-minute mark to reassure him without picking him up, but to no avail. He used to be so much better. Could he be afraid of the dark? When do they start being afraid of the dark? Any suggestions would be highly appreciated. All right, Sylvia. So this is when I wish I had a call-in show so that we could have a conversation and get some more details, but there are a few things that could be happening, and especially since you said this is kind of picked up out of the blue. And one in particular that seems very likely that came to mind first as a potential for this behavior, and that is I wonder if he's cutting his molars. The bottom molars come in between 23 and 32 months, and the top ones come in between 25 and 33 months. Now, because of their large size and the double edges, molars can be twice as difficult to cut as the other baby teeth. Now, common signs for this process are include irritation of the skin around the mouth, still so you'll see the redness and raw around the mouth from the drooling, constant gnawing on things, ear pulling, cheek rubbing, refusal to eat, lack of sleep, of course, and crankiness. So I think it is possible that the bottle, along with the attention that he's getting before bed, may be taking the focus off of the discomfort and pain. But once laying down in bed, it may be more obvious. Now, if this is the issue, you can use teething rings, You can try giving a cup of cold water, no ice, and rub his gums with your clean fingers anytime, but also bedtime specifically. I would consider using a pain reliever like children's acetaminophen or children's ibuprofen. Both of these are safe and will ease the pain. Both of these are equally effective on pain. However, ibuprofen works better to reduce the inflammation. Remember to always use the children's version and follow the dosage from the box based on your child's age and or weight. The second option is exactly what you mentioned. It could be a fear of the dark kicking in. These fears can present anywhere between the ages of two and six. So this is a very common stage in the toddler years because imagination really starts to develop here. The fear of the dark and a belief in monsters can begin to be seen as early as two. By age three to four, nightmares are very common, but should mostly or completely Dissipate by age five, sometimes earlier, depending on the child. Now, it's hard to know if, where, if anywhere, your son may have picked up on any of this, but kids just seem to have a common fear of monsters at these ages. So, here are some things you can do about that limit TV, particularly anything with scary or violent content. This is a really important piece because it can and usually does elevate the imagination and these fears. What may seem benign to you can spark imagination in toddlers. When I was young, I saw Bambi. I was really young. I was maybe four. I think, and apparently, I was very afraid to go to sleep at night for quite a while. I asked my mom about fires for months. Also, you want to limit rough play before bed. If your toddler is scared, don't minimize or brush it off or try to extinguish the fears. That would be... Like saying something like, oh, that's just silly. Instead, you want to tell him how it's normal for growing kids to have fears and how you had these fears when you were growing up too. Now, I personally remember being afraid of monsters and witches under my bed. I was afraid they would grab my feet if I stepped off the bed. So when I went to the bathroom in the middle of the night, I would jump way out from my bed onto the floor. Then when I came back to bed, I'd take this flying leap across the room from the doorway. And I was older. This was like eight or nine. So I knew there were no monsters, but I still couldn't help that imagination thinking there might have been something under my bed and I didn't want to get grabbed. Now, I'm not sure how verbal your son is yet, Sylvia, but if he is verbal enough to share, encourage him to talk about it. Or for any other parents going through the same issue... You can also do this if your child is verbal. Give your child the platform to talk about the imaginary monster and even have him draw a picture of what he thinks the monster looks like. Now, you might want to do this earlier in the day, not right before bed. Also, don't chase the monsters away. You often hear advice to eliminate these fears for parents to scare monsters away using monster spray or to walk into the bedroom, look under the bed and in the closet and chase the monster out of the bedroom. So not only is this dishonest, but it also reinforces that there really is a monster in the room, which can actually make things worse. So keep telling the truth that monsters are not real. They are only pretend characters on TV or in storybooks. It's a parent's job to help our child separate real from imaginary. You can also install a light with a dimmer so you can control the light to a greater degree than you can with a lamp or a nightlight because sometimes those nightlights just aren't bright enough and then they want that overhead light on which is really bright not great for falling asleep or if they wake up in the middle of the night might make them wake up more than they normally would so a light with a dimmer can take care of this. When our kids went through this one of them went through it big time and the other two only a little, but we had some nights where he went to sleep with the light on almost full blast or we'd get up in the morning and he had turned it on full blast at some point in the middle of the night. But as long as he was falling asleep and feeling safe, that was all that mattered and you can work your way back to moving the light lower and lower over time. Lastly, know it's a stage. It can take some time to get through and you will still have some bumpy bedtimes and even nighttimes. But with these tips, it will help you understand the stage better and make the nights farther and fewer between. To me, there is nothing more important than my family's health and well-being. We all know the quality of the air in our home is important. But did you know indoor air quality can be up to 100 times dirtier than outdoor air? I've got to tell you about Puro Air. In 30 minutes, this device will remove allergens, dust, smoke, dander, and gases from the room. Parenting to get your code for 15% off your order because great parenting deserves a great home. Home threads. Love where you live. The next question is from Sharon. And she says, I love your podcast and I really get a lot of good out of your website, having the transcripts from the episodes so I can go through them and highlight specifics more important to me. So please keep adding those. My question is in regard to my eight year old daughter who is a wonderful and funny kid. However, she almost is always a monster in the morning. Even with her setting her own alarm clock, she snoozes it repeatedly and is almost downright mean when I go in to get her out of bed. We are trying so hard to get her to bed at a good time for her. She usually sleeps nine to 10 hours, but it's a struggle. I'm assuming she may be one of those kids that needs 11 to 12 hours, but it seems almost literally impossible to get her to sleep, let alone in bed at seven, when everyone else in the house is still up, still at sport practices, and still light out. Such a price to pay though when morning rolls around and we deal with another rushed, stressful and power struggle morning. Help. P.S. Believe it or not, she's awesome at any other point in the day. Actually, Sharon, I do believe it. I'm sure she's amazing most of the time. So let's talk about sleep for kids in this age range. Just like you mentioned, there is a range of need for sleep. For kids seven to eight, the range is nine and a half to 11 and a half hours of solid sleep per night. Like you mentioned, your daughter may just be one that needs closer to the 11 and a half hours, but you also said she's getting 9 to 10 hours at this point. So if it's 9, she isn't even meeting the low end of what is needed for her age. So work at least to get this consistently to nine and a half to 10 hours every night and then see how she does. Then if needed, you can move forward from there. You may just find that if she's getting this or even you get her to 10 to 10 and a half hours, then this issue could completely go away or be much improved. So first, I would keep a log for a week or two and just see. And this means asleep, not just in bed. So some kids will fall asleep within five minutes. That's my seven-year-old twin. Boy, he's out almost the second he hits the pillow. My older son needs a lot less, so he reads in bed for 30 minutes before he falls asleep. And even with that, he ends up getting anywhere between nine and a half and 10 hours a night, and that's fine for him. But you want to start the sleep log when she's asleep, not when she's in bed. So... Keep that log for a week to two and see how much sleep she's really getting. And when it comes to calculating the bedtime, you want to start with the wake-up time. So for us, it's 7 a.m. If a child needs to be up at 7 and is asleep by 9, that's 10 hours. That's not bad. But if she's getting inconsistent 10 hours every night and she's still cranky, then you'll want to move this back and start bedtime at 8 so that she's hopefully falling asleep by 8.30. Do this for a couple of weeks and see how this does for her. If she seems like she needs more, you can move it back again, going up to 7.30 and to sleep by 8. Now, you mentioned it's hard when everybody else is still up or at sports practices, so I'm going to guess she has older siblings. So I'm suggesting working on this earlier bedtime, one, as an experiment to see if it makes things better for her so that you guys can know. Now, with this experiment, it's going to mean some commitment to this process. So what can be done? Room darkening shades. I know this only means that the room is dark, not your part of the world at 7.30 p.m., and that can be a little tough, but I think it's an important experiment if you want to see if more sleep will fix this or at least improve the situation. So in order to work on this, you'll need to commit to getting her up to bed at whatever time you're working towards moving the bedtime back to. So let's say it's eight. Have the rest of the household buy into this as much as you possibly can. So everyone comes inside and it's quiet time in the house. We're reading, doing homework, or chores. So she doesn't feel like she's missing out. If everyone else is out on the street riding bikes and she has to come in for bed, that won't go over very well and that certainly isn't fun. If there's another child still at a sports practice, can one parent pick up that child or stay at the practice while the other is at home to support the earlier bedtime? Can you trade with a teammate for drop-off at home? You want to try to problem solve that so you can get there and be home for that bedtime with her. Now, when our nine-year-old has a late practice or game on a weeknight, I usually take all the kids, but then my husband will swing by and pick up the younger ones on his way home from work, or one of us will leave early with the younger ones to get them home to bed. So see what you can figure out with these options to allow her to get to bed on time. Now, when we put the younger kids to bed, our older son is allowed to stay up and do something quietly, like read. So our other kids don't feel like they're missing out on anything. Oftentimes, he just comes up and does so in his room since everyone else is upstairs and he doesn't really want to stay downstairs by himself sometimes. But these are some ways you can try to work around setting up some quiet time so that's not everyone else downstairs chatting and laughing and having a good time while she has to go up to bed. Also, keep the sleep schedule consistent on the weekends and during school breaks as much as possible. I know this isn't always easy or nearly as fun, but if this is a struggle during school days, it's best to keep this consistent, and that means keeping the early bedtimes during non-school nights, because you want the body to stay on that rhythm of feeling tired earlier in the evening. If it gets pushed, then you easily get onto that cycle where the body isn't feeling tired or able to fall asleep until later because it's sleeping in later on the next morning. And then the mornings when you do have to get up early are a challenge, if you do push the sleep schedule, especially during the summer months, be sure to start moving it back at least two weeks out before school starts again in 15 minute increments every two to three nights. So if summer bedtime is nine o'clock, then two weeks before school starts, bedtime starts at 845 and three days later, you can move it back to 830, etc., until you get the bedtime you want or need for the school year. Also, how much or for how long is she using the snooze button? If it's too many times, then she's better off just setting the alarm for the time she needs to get up. And yes, that means a parent probably coming in and getting her up, but we're usually better off getting another 30 minutes of uninterrupted sleep than being woken every five or 10 or even 15 minutes during that snooze period. So consider changing the alarm wake up to allow her the full amount of rested sleep that she can possibly be allowed. Then also. What's just as important as the length of sleep is the quality of sleep. So I'll give some guidelines for ways to support quality sleep and to troubleshoot if you think quality of sleep may be the issue. So the guidelines for bedtime, one to two hours leading up to bed, no rough or stimulating play, and no screen time. Research shows that lights from TVs, computers, phones, gaming consoles are stimulating to the brain and can make it much more difficult to calm down before bed. And actually, phones and tablets are the worst about this. So if she has access to a TV, a tablet, a computer, or a phone, make sure these are off and put away one to two hours before bed. Also, the recommended bedtime for preschool and elementary age kids, believe it or not, is to shoot to have them in bed by 7 to 8 p.m. So believe it or not, an 8 p.m. bedtime, while it may not be the norm, is what's recommended by most child development experts, including pediatricians, for kids in elementary school, especially in these younger elementary school years. Then lastly, it's also important to understand the difference between a sleep problem and a sleep issue. A sleep problem is behavioral. This is kids who won't stay in bed. They keep getting up out of bed. They're going to sleep too late. They're frequently waking up in the middle of the night, unrelated to a sleep problem, which I'm about to go into. So if they're waking up in the middle of the night, but it's not because of a sleep problem, these are the things that can be changed with behavioral interventions, which is everything that I just covered, moving the bedtimes earlier, making quiet time before bed, getting rid of the screens before bed, or any rough play. Those are what will fix the sleep problem. Now, a sleep issue, on the other hand, is an underlying physiological issue. These are rare, but they do happen. Things that fall into this category that may affect sleep are snoring. Kids may breathe loudly while sleeping, but they should not be snoring. Sleep apnea is when someone stops breathing for a few seconds at a time while sleeping, and this can be a big disruptor to quality of sleep. Rocking oneself or headbanging to self-soothe at bedtime. Restless sleep. This actually means a lot of tossing and turning. You'll see sheets kicked everywhere, pillows, stuff everywhere. This is restless sleep or kicking a lot during sleep. Ongoing difficulty with waking up after a full night's sleep. If your child is regularly getting the amount of sleep recommended for his or her age and frequently is having issues waking up, then this is a sleep issue and maybe being caused by one of the things I just covered, the snoring, the sleep apnea, the restless sleep, etc. So this is why I said to keep that sleep log. You want to know how much sleep she's really getting throughout the night. And if you see she's getting 10, 10 and a half, 11 hours per night, and she's still super cranky in the morning, Then you may be facing a sleep issue and you want to talk to your pediatrician. You may want to consider asking about getting an evaluation at a sleep clinic, but before going to this level, again, you definitely want to know how much sleep she's getting by keeping the record and working on that bedtime to give her ample opportunity for a full night's sleep ongoing for several weeks to a month to see if the issue persists. For any parents out there who have other bedtime or nighttime issues, you can see the class on toddler sleep on the website at yourvillageonline.com. If you have a parenting question you'd like answered, you can send an email to podcast at yourvillageonline.com. Thanks for listening, and see you next time. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas?